Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bobcast. With you as always is Bob, live in the lounge, staring at the Ouija board. Um, tonight's guest, um, I met probably around the year 2000 or 2001. I was, well, first I was an underage patron of the General Lafayette Inn. And I could say that now because the General Lafayette Inn has since closed two times in my lifetime. And, you know, the General Lafayette Inn back in the day was just full of energy. It was like this place where everybody would go together there was concerts on Wednesday night. And on a Wednesday night, that place would be packed. And occasionally on the weekends, there'd be bands playing in the bar. And, you know, you would get acquainted with them and familiar. And the first band that I ever knew locally to produce one of their own CDs, and I have the CD right here. I lost the first <laughs> one years ago. Um, years ago, I lost this cover, but I still have the CD itself. And I never forget the feeling of, like, being young and meeting somebody that actually went and printed their own CD. And the, the CD is by a band called Magic Hat, and the album I'm talking about is Sons of Rock. And I've kept it this whole time, and I remember thinking to myself, like, wow, I mean, like, the date on this is uh, 2002. And I think to myself, you know, back then, I was, I was inspired, really, to get my own band started because, you know, these guys were doing their own thing, man. And they had, like, a unique sound. The lead singer definitely had a unique sound. Um, it could be... Um, he also had like a very um i remember like several times like when he would come back for the second set he was very well aware of the fact that he had the audience in the palm of his hands and like if you're a musician you understand that because it's like this moment where you can cease their energy and take it in you know and uh it's been a, a few years since you know those days of 2002 but since then i know i've ran across him a few times he's a great guy um he's also got a new uh music project we're going to talk about today with that being said, please welcome to the Bobcast, Mr. Matthew Bennett-Davey. How are you, sir? Great, Bob. Well, I, I, lo I love that opening. That, that brought back a lot of memories, actually. Yeah, I mean, like, I just, that's all I remember, really. It's just the Magic Hat Band. And then, like, actually, I mean, like, the, the story for people who know me, yeah, the, the band was called Magic Hat, Magic Hat, right? And the guitar player, whom is my friend, um, his name is Matt Gicat, which is a... French last name, but I never knew it for a few yeah. years. First off, I thought he was Magic Hat. And then, and I shit you not, this is true here on the podcast. I remember like in 2004 or five, somebody hands me a bottle of Magic Hat beer. And I'm like, holy, <laughs> holy shit, he's got his own beer too? But it turns <laughs> out that there was something about that. When you guys had the uh, band Magic Hat, like, what do you remember from that time period? So we, we, we named the band Magic Hat after Magic Hat because people were calling him Mag Magic Hat. Uh, so that was, that was one of his nicknames. So uh, Let me ask you a question because I'm not sure, and I don't have my assistant here with me. Was Magic Hat beer out before? Because I don't think so. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. And we had fun with that when it came out and became popular. We're like, yeah, we brought our own beer. <laughs> I, mean, I remember man. i actually remember that at the general yeah it's such a crazy like you know um experience but yeah i i was very impressed you know it's such a bummer too is like i think that i'm not sure when i lost this cover but can you tell where was this actually recorded at well, i think you guys recorded there too at uh, brick house studios exactly where it was okay so you know what that's the insane part about this story in this podcast now is that not only was i so in influenced by the fact that you guys had your own cd but i liked the recording so much that i sought this guy out and i think i actually got the contact information from you guys for his name was andrew kravitz and um yeah. the interesting thing about this cat was he recorded on reel to reel did yeah. you guys also record on reel to reel yeah that whole thing is on reel to reel yeah and that's why that's why it sounds so good too and it's like you know like i only did um I think I only did four songs with Andrew Kravitz and I think I worked on a per diem basis or I think I worked on a basis of how fucked up he was, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> you know, like, but um, I still have that recording and, you know, I put it out recently on Bandcamp. I love that the way it sounds, man. That oh, I don't know if I've ever heard that. I'd like, I'd like to hear that. Bob. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you after the podcast today. But it, it's something about the way that the drums and bass sound I mean, like, it reminds me of that track, Got to Give It Up by Marvin Gaye. And it's like that thick, thick, just like the bass and, you know, like the, the thump just kicks through. With, um, with this band, you know, Magic Hat, like, um, 
I also too, you know what I remember uh, very uh, vaguely, it's coming back to me now, but you also were the, one of the first people to have your own stylized microphone, if I'm not mistaken, right? Didn't you have like the, the, the radio bullet type mic that you used? I, yeah, I did use that. Right. Um, yeah. And that had to do with playing the harmonica, actually. Yeah, yeah, I, re- I recall it. But I, I, I prefer the look because, uh, yeah, can I curse? Yeah, you can. <laughs> oh, because uh, the phallicness of having a giant dick in your face, it, it sucks. Unless, it sucks. You're Freddie, so, unless you're Freddie Mercury, who'd love to do that. I'm not going to like start you know, blowing <laughs> the mic. But, but it is like a phallic dick in your face every day. And, and, and also, and too, I, like nobody can see your face, too. It's like it's hidden. Yeah, right. And so you, you kind of want to, especially if you're singing about something that's sexual, you kind of want to be into it. And, you, and like, if, since I'm heterosexual, I, I want to be into a vagina, not a dick. Well, I mean, it's an interesting, <laughs> interesting point. Um, also, too, it's like, it, I, I, for one, am a big fan of that time period because it felt like at that time that anything was possible with being in a band. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, whereas today it's like, you know, you put out a track and like, you know, you got to go up against Spotify, you got to go up against streaming numbers, you know, but like back in the day, like, you know, there was something about like at the end of the night, somebody would say, Hey man, I really like your band. And you'd go check out my CD. You know, it's like, you used to think like these things could um, spiral into something better. You know what I mean? Like that sense of optimism. And I missed that. Like, Like an old school viral. It could, it, could, it could explode if it was good enough or fell in the right person's hands or, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I call it? I call it the, um, um, the Mr. Big, like, scenario. You remember in Wayne's World where Mr. Big just happens to be, like, cruising by, you know? And, like, he's, a, he's, <laughs> he's the guy in the limousine at the end that gives him, like, their big break or whatever. But, like, for, like, you know, we grew up at the same time in the 90s and stuff like that. And that's how it actually worked. You know what I mean? Like, if you were that good, that's all you needed. It wasn't yeah. how many tattoos you had on your face or how many people follow you on Instagram or like all this other shit that just got involved with, with like the spirit of rock and roll or the spirit of punk rock or the spirit of just, you know, performing because you're, you're up there and you're like putting out everything. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of since, I don't know, like what, what is your like thoughts on that? I, I completely agree with you. And, and it's because you had a physical something to work with. Like now, it's all links and emails and stuff like that. And, and a bar owner or manager that's going to book you can blow off your email. Just kind of basically pretend like it never happened. And if you had something physical, you can go to the bar and hand it to someone. And then, oh, this is for someone. And then like most of the time, they do throw it in in, in their car and, and see what it's like. And, and now... You, you have to make more effort in, in the same way uh, people will let it go to voicemail or um, it's a very interesting thing I mean like well also too it's like, protect it, like it, because of how the world is involved in technology and also our behavior in that technology because people don't want to talk on the phone anymore I think it's so sad people are like oh next time you want to call me text me and I'm like oh man that sucks well, do you, if you recall there was a period of time when I, I believe it was 2004 or five or around that area when text messaging first text messaging first started coming into um, society. And I mean, at least in my clique, I mean, I've talked about this before on the podcast, it was frowned upon and it was also looked down upon. And it was also, I mean, to be, to be blunt about it, it was, um, it was almost looked at upon as a demasculating thing around my friends. They'd be like, Oh, you get another text message, Bob. And like, you know, I'd be like, what'd you say to me? And it was always Tom, too, would say that shit. Now Tom texts me all the time, by the way, from downtown Harvest. But I do agree that, like, you know, it's weird how, like, um, like our use of technology and our use of communication also influence the way that we perceive and acquire and consume music. It's like this, like, it's a correlation that not many people, like, you know, talk about because it's like, it's just a real damn shame. Like if you're a young kid out there who likes reggae music or a young kid out there that likes punk rock, you know, and you want to say to your buddies, Hey, let's get together in the garage and make something. You also have to think about like how you're going to market it or how you're going to, you know, 
get it out there into your Instagram story and how people are going to follow. And then like, you're also too, like going up against this like huge barrier where it's like, I mean, you could be like the greatest band in the local scene and have 400, 500 people following you on Instagram. And then a producer will see that and say, well, they haven't done their work yet, but technically they're through the roof. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's whole businesses that are into just getting you more followers and, and getting you the numbers for you to stand out. But uh, I'm glad that you brought this up because Tsunami, I have one session left in, in, our, in our album, Tsunami, Tsunami 1. We're going to do Tsunami 1 and 2. And the question I've been asking the band and, and the engineer and the manager of MSA, uh, Mid-South Audio here in Georgetown, Delaware, um, is what do we do with it? Like mm. some people don't even have a CD player. You know what I mean? But how 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 are we putting this out? And and the answer is Spotify, iTunes. However, because of what we were just talking about, and I'm old school. I, I'm I'm gonna want it at least 500 CDs, and I'm gonna want at least a hundred um, vinyls. Yeah. And it's also too. And, it's like, and I'm going to take them to the local stores and give it to them for cheap, dirt cheap, or just give it to them. See, I'm I'm thinking now, like you know, this is 2002, the CD. But if this was 2020 and this was not handed to me, this was told to me, hey, you got to go on iTunes to get it. I wouldn't have been so influenced by it because it's an actual physical thing. You know what I mean? Like it's it's tangible and you could read about it. You know what I mean? And like. So I, mean, I, on, still, I know that you still the last time that me you and I were um together um we were talking br briefly about the fact that we both still buy albums and like we enjoy that process and it's like I you know I I, I understand 100% what you're saying too it's like, what the hell do we do with it you know what I mean like well, how do we get it out and then like the shitty thing too is Matt is like people make money now off of saying to you the band hey you pay us this amount of money and we'll put you on a Spotify playlist. It's like, what? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like saying to somebody from the nineties, Hey man, you want a mixtape from me? It's going to cost you. Like you would make the right. tape for your friends because you enjoyed the process right. and you wanted to hand them something. You know what I mean? Like, well, if we go 10, if we go 10 or 20 years before that time, then you did go to the DJ and you slipped them a hundred dollars every Friday to make sure you're in the five o'clock slots, like five o'clock rush hour. Like, yeah, you ever hear stories about like a little, little Richard paying off uh, DJs and stuff like that? I would have done better in that time period, I think, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's, it's unfortunate because it's like, I don't know. I just, I feel that divide a lot. You know? And like, I, I know the bands, yeah, they're still trying to like push, you know, and like they come on the show. And I mean, I did that event, um, um, what was it, two weekends ago? And then I, um, Concha yeah, the twenty. I had like twenty. There's so many talented acts in there, and like, it's just a shitty thing. It's just like you know. I mean, like, some of them don't have managers, and some of them, you know, need managers. But the problem is, it's just like you need so much additional work to get your message out there, you know. And it's like, it's just unfortunate, you know. I mean, like, I wonder if in like you know today's age, like a band like you know, um, like Deep Purple or something, not quite Led Zeppelin, but like, you know, just under that, like, would they still make it? You know, I don't know. You know, like the last band that came out that I thought, oh, this is something that you haven't heard in a while was Greta Van Fleet. And everybody hated them because they sounded like Led Zeppelin. Right. right? And then they put out like an album and I, I listened to the album. I was like, oh, this is great. And then I went and watched the, them on, on TV on, or on YouTube. And I kept thinking to myself, like, wow, like, Everybody in the band is just moving and shaking except the lead singer of the band. He's just standing there. And I looked at the tickets for uh, the electric factory and they were a hundred bucks. And I was like, I'm not paying a hundred bucks to see somebody not move on stage. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I just yeah. feel like there's, there's so much potential for music to, to have a resurgence, like a Nirvana type, you know, cultural <laughs> thing. And I just feel like, you know, like I just got Spotify recently and yeah, it's great. It's great. You want to listen to a song from like, you know, your childhood that you th forgot about, type it in, boom, it's there. But like, there's no connection. It's a bummer, man. You know, I mean, talk to me though. I mean, like, I hate to be, you know, can't be downer when it comes to the music industry and stuff like that. But like, I am 
still very passionate about music and I'm still, you know, well, excited there's, there's to hear new stuff. To put on too. There's a show to put on. One of my heroes is not in music. It's, it's Michael Jordan. And I just loved his mentality of, it wasn't, it was more than of him being dominant in basketball. He was actually putting on a show like it was the fucking circus. And, and it, it's not like, he's like, okay, now it's time for me to show up at the end because that's what everyone came to see. Yeah. And there's an element in watching some of the games and watching some of the footage where he, you can tell he, he's completely aware of that. And it's a show. So it's not that fun to watch someone stand there and do nothing. It really is. And if, if you're going to have a successful band that's financially successful, most of the money today comes from touring and playing live, and you actually have to have a show. Yeah, and now, I mean, you know, like that's also too is like a scary type thing. I saw, um, I mean, some bands are doing um, concerts at 50% occupancy because of COVID-19. There's also yeah. bands who are performing at um, drive-in movie theaters. Uh, I'm a fan of the comedian Burt Kreischer, and he's going on a tour this summer of all drive-in movie theaters. And it's like, that's another thing that's going to really throw a wrench into the kitchen sink of like, you know, these young bands trying to, you know, get out there and make it. And it's like, it's just a shitty thing. It's like, you know. Oh, you mean the COVID situation right now? Well, just and the, how COVID, it's the COVID situation as far as like, you know, like what this summer looks like, you know? I mean, obviously all the festivals were canceled, you know, um, Bonnaroo, you know, um, um, what's the other big one? Coachella. It's weird, right? Yeah, it is weird. And it, it's, it's, it, was, it, it was really sad for anyone graduating. That's, that's who I felt the worst for. Because you just want to have that camaraderie and throw your hats and say you did it and say it's over and have that memory together. And they were kind of just robbed of it. Can and you imagine done, what their, um, their 10 year high school reunion party is going to be like? Probably a good one. They're going Hopefully. to get lit. <laughs> gonna... <laughs> yeah. I also I have high hopes for them that, like, you know, something was taken away for them so they could be the, the catalyst for change in the society that they want, you know, like. Lots of things. I, I, like way, I like that sentiment. I like that. That's a, that's a nice way to look at it. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Hopefully it'll inspire them to, to set the course straight again. Yeah, do something to make this, you know, make it right. And like, you know, I mean, my next door neighbor, he's a, um, a senior and he's a drummer and he's a great kid. And uh, we both um, share similar interests in bands. And, um, you know, I said that to him the other day. I was like, look, man, my parents' generation, you know, Woodstock, hippies, didn't do shit, man. They thought they would, but they all got jobs and they all watched Bill Clinton eat McDonald's in the early 90s and just took it. And my generation came along, you know, and we were the generation, oh, you got to go to college, man. If you don't go to college, you're not going to have a career. Turns out that was all bullshit, right? You didn't need to it spend is. all this money and go into debt. You could have well, practically... Tremendous debt. Tremendous debt. Debt that you will never be able to get out of. And it's also going to inflict ill will upon your kids if you have them. But... I mean, like, also, too, in the scheme of things with college universities, it's like, look, man, the brass tacks of, the, of education is it don't need to be no four years. You need to know what the hell you want to do, get in there, get out, right? Yes, drinking and partying, great times, awesome. But at the same time, it's like, I also I tend to think that, like, that period of one's life, like, they... Like, you know, it's like, oh, I got to join a frat. I got to party. I got to live. It's like, you are going to keep on living, dog. But at the same time, why don't you like, you know, like I applied myself. I didn't, I, I worked and I went to college, you know, and I paid as I went and I didn't have no debt. Knock on wood. You know what I mean? But like, it just sucks. I mean, I have a degree in education. And I got to be honest. I didn't learn anything about teaching until the final year. And I mean, with certain professions is either you have it or you don't. Just similar to what you were saying, Matt, a, a while ago about like, you know, if you're up there on stage and, or if you're Michael Jordan and you're not, per, you know, performing, people aren't going to go buy them shoes. They're not going to go buy the shirts. They're not going to show up week after week, you know? And it's just like, I think that this, this generation, it's, it's got to be the generation that changes stuff, you know? And I, I'm, I'm hopeful and, you know, I'm optimistic about that. Do you mean us? Or do you mean like the no, kids the, the like... Class of 2020. We're, we're all old men now at this point. I mean, it's like, I also, I mean, like, yes, I can be a catalyst for change in my life. I can share stories. I can you know, do this show and help people and stuff like that. But at the same time, it's like, I'm a dad, you know? And it's like, look, I mean, it doesn't mean that I'm not fully engaged with change. I'm very active in it, but it's like the youth, you know what I mean? It's always going to be the, the, the kids, 
you know, like who are the ones who can influence this change. And I felt it a lot with, um, I mean, like I was terrified of school shootings, man. You know, I was a teacher and it's like, that was a harsh reality to live in is that any day somebody could come in here and kill my students, kill myself, you know? That's a lot of stress and shit, you know what I mean? Like, and the mindset that like, oh, it's not gonna happen to me. Like, you know, like that, that, that type of mentality is not indicative of somebody who wants to be a part of an emphatic society, you know what I mean? Who wants to be... Well, I, I, I actually have a pretty strong opinion about uh, why there's mass shootings and what's going on there in, in, the, in the shooter's mind. I love to hear and, it. And, and what, what I think would be very helpful to prevent that sort of thing is, is to get teachers, um, and, and, I, and I know that there's some psychological, psychology aspect probably in that last year. Does that part of your education? Does, does really, that have to, to be, be psychology? Cause it, it, I mean, it yeah, there was, there was, I, I took sociology. To identify things like um, people that are um, symptoms of someone thinking about suicide, symptoms of people with PTSD and bullying. And like you, you kind yeah. of combine those three things and you, you got a, a time bomb on your hands. And then you, you, you see all these uh, video games that they have where they're just blowing everyone away gruesomely like it's nothing. It's like it's nothing. And they've been doing that. For how long? Maybe, maybe way earlier than they should have been. Not monitored by their parents. Just blowing, blowing people away in the video game. Blowing everyone away. Blowing everyone away. That it, it's it's really like a powder keg. That I think is sometimes triggered by uh, what's going on to that person outside of it. And like it's it's a fight or flight thing. The kid feels like they can't run, so they fight. Yeah, and they're, and they're already suicidal. So I mean, that's the and and when when you're suicidal, what, what they do they do lock you up if you declare that you're thinking about killing yourself because you become a danger to everyone. If you don't respect your life anymore, then you don't respect any life anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 that's and it's seen over and over. People kill their family and then they kill themselves. Well, that's that's why that if you you uh, there's a time period if you if you declare to like the police you're like suicidal like they, they might lock you up for a little while until you straighten up yeah and you know i mean but it'd be helpful to you guys if, if like if there was some training on ptsd there is there and, is and now suicide like prevention and those mm -hmm. types of things to just make it safer and like oh that, that kid looks like he's about to break and it's because those kids are picking on him and he already looks like he's a miserable kid that doesn't have a lot of friends you know maybe i could do something as a teacher yeah, you know I, mean? I mean, I encountered that um, a few times. I haven't, um, I haven't taught in front of a class in um, probably about three years. I, I'm not sure. I, I thought I was retired, you know. And now with everything and virtual teaching, I'm contemplating making a return. But to um, to uh, make a remark um, as far as like you know what you were saying earlier, like when I graduated from college, it was the year. 2002 or three i can't remember and like you know columbine happened in 1999 but the mindset then was you know this is just a a once in a lifetime thing like this is no. only going to happen once and like it hadn't yet i didn't think that <laughs> yeah it was weird well i didn't think that either and like i remember thinking like you know like is there going to be a way that you know kids can get like and also too it's like i mean you one could argue too that society you know, started to um, break apart when technology started to increase. Like, so more information, more information. And like, I can't imagine being a kid who's bullied with, you know, like social media. And then everybody knows about like your issues and shit. And like, he's the freak or she's the freak. And like, I mean, like, here's the thing is like, in, in my time teaching, there was, in my estimate, maybe three to five students, without a doubt, whom I took special interest in and would console them because I felt that they could be a candidate to be somebody like you were saying that a school shooter yeah. because they were constantly picked on and they were constantly backed into a corner. And then like, you know, I would like catch wind of like the parents and like how the parents weren't really in the kids' lives and just like all this. Right. And it's just, it's There's heartbreaking. No yeah, it's nowhere to terrible. Go. I mean like any child that's a victim of emotional neglect, right? There's physical neglect and there's emotional neglect. Emotional neglect can turn somebody really dark, you know, and you can get, to a point where you're not really sure, you know, 
what your motivations are because you're so hurt, you know, and like a lot of kids feel that way. And I wonder too, like, you know, it's interesting, Matt. I mean, like as like a dissertation, like to figure out like, what are these kids feeling? Like the same kid right now who would be, you know, a school shooter who hasn't yet had the chance to do what they did, you know, the manifesto that they wrote, how are they feeling right now that school is, you know, it was canceled and some places are not really sure if they're going back. Like, what is their mindset? Are they feeling like this is, you know, a second chance at becoming a better or is this like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a weird time for these kids. And it's like, that was the one thing that like I was happy about with this whole thing was like no more school shootings, you know, like no more kids losing their lives. And, and then the government not doing shit about it, to be honest with you. And it's like, it's just been a, it's been a weird time, man. You know, and it, it's like, it, it could it could flip out either way because I think often when that happens, it's it is like you're saying that they're bullied in school, and then there's there's nothing to go home to, or maybe what they're going home to is worse. So it, it could go either way, um, as far as how someone is feeling like that. That if anything, I would think that it would be some sort of relief to not get it from two, two different angles rather yeah. like it was just from your family, which is still terrible. I was, but I was to go, go outside of the home now and all oh, there's social distancing and like people's masks or faces are covered. So you can't really get the expression. I, you can't always tell when people are smiling or if they're like actually really pissed off under there or not. You know what I mean? You can't really tell like until you hear their voice. Like I, I I've been trying to speak to people because it's a mystery. It's a mystery. What's going on? I'm like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, oh, oh, hi. <laughs> I got to be honest. I, I, um, I have enjoyed the mask because <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, I used to. I mean, I was a school teacher, and like, I was in, you know, downtown Harvest, and like, you know, I mean, it's not that I'm, I go out in the in the paparazzi snapping shots, but every time I'd go to Giant, I would run into somebody who would like take me away from like what I had to do there. And I had to spend 20 minutes with them because I cared about them or cared about their kid who was a student or something, you know, something. And now, man, now I put my hair up, put the mask on, put a hat on. Nobody knows who the hell I am. I see so many people I know in grocery stores and I just, I walk it's around. Like <laughs> you're, you, it's, it's like great, you're you know? disguise mode. Yeah. It's a weird world, man. I mean, like. Well, facial recognition we, doesn't work with it on. Like uh, with with the phones doesn't work. It can't be working on all of these cameras everywhere. It's not working with the with the mask on. Yeah, it's not working with the mask on. And like the other thing too is just like um, I mean, I hope that the, I mean like I heard today that there's a, a drug that can help like with with it once you con once you get COVID like it can decrease your chances of dying and stuff. But dude, where's the like we need that vaccine quick? You know what I mean? It's just like. I also worry about like when the vaccine happens, will it be easy to get? Uh, and and it's, it sucks. Uh, like uh, I want to sound cheesy here for a second, but if you, you if you ever watch old school cartoons, like Lex Luthor, he, he like just like an aside little joke in 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 the series. It's not even about the episode. He finds the cure for cancer, and he's like, "All right, slow it down to a crawl, so we can turn it into a, a multi-billion windfall." So he, instead of just giving the cure for cancer, they're, they're going to drag it out to make as much money as possible. And, and the, the sick thing I always thought about when I saw that is like, well, that's probably actually pretty accurate. It's not just Lex Luthor doing that. That's, that's actually what they're doing. <laughs> it's funny you say uh, Lex Luthor because um, I you know, had a lot of time on my hands being unemployed this uh, spring, summer. So I started reading comics again, and uh, I just finished uh, All-Star Superman number one with Lex Luthor. Oh, uh, yeah. He's got this issue in it where it's like, I, I know that episode. I, I know that issue. The jail one, right? Yeah. Where Clark goes in to help him, dude. It's like one. Of, if they made that into a movie, it would be the best Superman movie. And Superman isn't even in it really. But I love Lex Luthor when he's um, like super, like cunning and super smart, and like you know, uh, I mean, I guess that like Kevin Spacey kind of came close in Superman Returns, and like Gene Hackman was basically Gene Hackman to me, you know, like. Yeah, there was a comical spin to it. Comical spin. What, what was his uh, sidekick's name? Uh, Brutus, right? You know, so yeah. I, uh, I always looked forward to, um, I mean, Kevin Spacey was like, yeah, he was great, but it was also Kevin Spacey. And it's like, 
I don't know. The Smallville guy, I guess he was good, but I, I feel like I haven't yet seen. I, I did read, though, that Warner Brothers loved Joker so much that they want to make a Luther standalone film, which would be a political-based oh, film. That would be awesome. Awesome movie. That'd be killer, that'd be, dude. Who yeah, would you pick for uh, Lex Luthor? Not, don't say Magic Cat because he can't. Do, he he will never shave that that beard. <laughs> I, I like the I like the guy uh, from Split. Oh, he'd be great. He's a, um, he's a brilliant actor. He would totally shave his head to do it. He would be so James scared. McAvoy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he would be so. He I I think he's a brilliant actor. He's a great I actor. Think he, he would be diabolical. Uh, I really enjoyed Split and then Glass. Did you see Glass? Yeah, I saw all three of them. It was great stuff. I was like, what the hell? Like, did he rush to make this? Because Split was, like, great. But the ending of Glass, I was just like, this is this is really what this is about? Like, <laughs> But I maybe I need to watch it again. I'm not sure. But, yeah, he'd be a great actor. Um, I want to talk about um, uh, your new musical project. You, you spoke briefly about it. You're recording it. What can you tell the Bobcast listeners about what's coming out? So uh, it's called Tsunami. It's going to be 13 tracks. It's, it's like rock, reggae, funk, blues. Um, it, it's, it's the best thing I've done yet as a musician. And I'm really proud of it. And I, I think the band's really proud of it. And, and we did some things that I've been dying to do that's not easy to get a band to buy into doing, which is practicing to a click track, which is like excruciating. It sucks. It sucks the fun out of everything. Unless the drummer is already a very versatile trained, he's been training with the click track all his life. It's not easy to get the drummer to want to do that or the band to want to do that. But it opens everything up after you record the song. Because now I can, like, I, I'm going to suck some of the fun out of uh, music magic. You can cut and paste it. You can do if it if it's in time. You can do anything. You can you can I can take one repeated word in the uh, second course and cut and paste it seamlessly into the first course where my voice cut. Yeah, it is amazing. Rather, rather than, that happens. And rather than, um, because sometimes it's just faster when you're dealing, the larger the project is, um, and if you're not always ready to go or you don't have like, say it's the guitar player, but the guitar player's not there. Or it's the bass player. Like, so there's, it really opens up the versatility to actually producing, which was my favorite part of doing this project because I did get them to buy into the click track and it enabled me to make, make, make everything the way I wanted it rather. And, and not just the way I wanted it, the way they wanted it. Um, and I don't want every single like thing cookie cutter the exact same way. Like there, there needs to be some variance and like, that's why I like the, maybe the third course in the song's a little bit more hyped. You know what I mean? It's going in a little bit dire- different direction. You're bringing it home. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally know what you mean about that. Like, there's some, you know what's funny? You say that, too, because it's like, you know, like, like you, I've recorded, two with the click and stuff like that. And then, like, you just basically, you know, get one good course. And you're like, oh, I'm going to put it here, here, and here. But there's something about that final course that's got to sound bigger you know what i mean like it's got to yeah. sound like you're more angry like or or more robust or more you know and like or the voice is building in a different cadence or something like that you know totally but, yeah i mean like and you and, can't and, do that in post and the bass and the drums that they all play off of that like the, the, mm-hmm. the last course of a song or the end of a song is often different even if it's the same music that was playing earlier now you're just playing it differently yeah, or you're playing like a different chord or something. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, look, I, I agree that there's, I mean, like case in point, like, you know, um, the album that I recorded with Andrew Kravitz, that was the first one. We just did that shit. You know what I mean? There was no click. I don't even yeah. think click track existed in that studio, really. But uh, there might have been a metronome. But I didn't um, start recording with um, a click until I moved to Los Angeles and we recorded the first Downtown Harvest album. And it came actually easy to me, but I felt like, it would suck out the um, the juice or the creative, like, you know, like uh, sometimes you a happy accident or something like that. But I also, you know, I found that a lot of times with the click, you could always do something that wasn't in the original, like, you know, um, arrangement, you know, and the, you could find like a bridge, like, you know, through like the recording process. But are you guys recording? Um, what was the name of the studio you're recording at? 
it's called a uh, mid south audio it's mm-hmm. in georgetown delaware okay um they're pretty big in, in southern delaware they they have some gigs they have like a lot of church gigs they have a lot of um radio support that they give and then they also do um regular sound for some of the local tv stations around here well, that's which cool. is pretty cool um so they're discontinuing the one here in georgetown and moving to milton which i can't wait that's where we're going to do tsunami too and a lot of the stuff i wanted to try and do because we did some like queen type stuff where like uh, in our song step up like uh the guitar starts in the left speaker, and then it's coming over next time it's going to be on the right and going back and, and goes back and forth. And there's this harmonic that's playing that's like seven notes going. And I wanted to see if I could have it in a complete surround sound, like have it completely go around, but they only were able to do right and left. And in the new studio, they're going to be able to do that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm cause uh, I just was asking, off the wall questions like can we try this can we do this and sometimes the answer is yes and sometimes no but the answer was always yes at the next studio so i'm excited to record there next that's what's up it's always fun to have um a poss- a new possibility of of doing things uh, do you listen to music with headphones not usually not usually I, i've been i've been actually since you know i mean the quarantine i when i was when i was younger i did all the time but not so i started um, again and um I mean, I got a, a nice pair of headphones and um, I listen to like my favorite albums like uh, and it's weird like to hear like stuff that you would never pick up on if it was just coming out of a, a radio. And also, too, it's, it, you know, I mean, one of the things I've noticed, too, is that um, with Spotify, because I just got it recently and like I was against Spotify for years because, you know, they rip the artists off. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, they pay you like a tenth of a cent for like your track, you know what I mean? But like the interesting thing I found with Spotify is that classic albums on there sound really low as compared like as far as the dbs go like versus newer music so like a new song like candy by like the volume itself what's from that one track to another like so so like uh just so, so much the lower song is on and then a led zeppelin comes on and you notice the volume goes down oh my god yeah song. yes yeah. exactly so like now they're recording stuff at a very high level you know and um the dbs are like spiking sometimes all the way up to maybe like negative one Whereas like with Zeppelin or older stuff like that, or the Beatles, those tracks are definitely down by like negative six, negative nine. And also too, there's like different ways of uploading your music to the internet that drives musicians nuts, dude. I was in a band with um, Judah Kim recently, what Judah Kim's Assassination. And dude, he was having a horrible, like we, we got the album and then like we'd upload the tracks to like Spotify and they'd sound completely different than they did on the album. And it's just like- Oh yeah. Yeah, so be weary of that. If you got to go to Spotify, there's like there's a tutorial you I can send you with YouTube. Uh, do, do they do an additional mastering because that would change everything? It's something like that where it's like an additional master that like has to be done to get the sound to be correct. But I mean, I also too. I'm very. I'm, I love the studio process. I love creating in the studio. Um, I did have a project once that I did uh, on my own called Pocket Dial, and I was basically doing the production myself on just you know a laptop and. Um, I enjoyed it, and I also find that you know that like that hip hop rapper guy. Yeah, the hip hop rapper. I love that. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. It was fun to do, and it was like I. I also, I mean, like we practiced to um to the click because we would perform with live tracks like that, and we got better with um, you know, like just the the live performance because we were performing to a click track. Uh, Bands like Twenty One Pilots, they perform to a click track. Yeah, they're sharper, and you know what too is like their show's consistent because they're on that click the whole time, but. It's interesting because it brings up so many different ideas as, as to, um, I guess, the future of music and like where it can go. Um, I want to talk uh, briefly before we go about reggae music. Um, I remember the last time I saw you in real life, not through Zoom, we were talking about reggae and like its principles and stuff. And, you know, I've, I mean, I guess what's the best way I could describe how much it means to me? I didn't, okay, I'd never really liked my name growing up. I was like, really? You guys gave me one syllable, Bob? It also means rice in Korean. It's like, the fu- like my personality is exuberant, you know? And you gave me this one name that spells the same thing backwards. And then it when I was a kid, like a reflection of you. Yeah, and then, you know, and I, w- I never had anybody that like, you know, I looked up to. And then all of a sudden when I was about like 13, or maybe I was like 14, yeah, probably about 14, 
I got my first driving lesson, uh, and it was in a Mercedes Benz by um, this girl that I was dating. And um, actually, no, I wasn't dating her at all. I was just friends with her. But regardless, um, and I remember Bob Marley's Jammin was playing on the radio, and I never heard reggae music before. And I was like, "Yo, what is this?" And she's like, "You never heard reggae before?" And I was like, "No," because you know there was no internet. You didn't know anything. And she's like, "This is by Bob Marley." And from that moment on, I was proud to be named Bob. I became such a <laughs> fan nice. of reggae music that I, I mean, my wife had the wedding that she wanted and, you know, um, you know, the design of the flowers, the food and stuff. And she was very, um, very open to be like, Hey, well, where would you want to go for your honeymoon? And I was like, I want to go to Jamaica. So we went to uh, Jamaica and we went to Bob's house and I got oh, a chance cool. to see where he, um, was born. I played his guitar. I, uh, I smoked a joint in the mausoleum with some, some nice people from the United <laughs> Kingdom. And I believe now more than ever that Bob Marley's message of lighting up the darkness is more apparent than ever just because of what's going on here in America. And, uh, you know, I couldn't help but notice on your social media that you too as well are um, a supporter of the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, I mean, I think I read a post one day where you were saying something, look, this is why it matters. And, you know, it's very hard because um, we're white guys, you know, and it just sucks to sit back and like watch people allow racism to infect their communities and stuff like that. And if more people listen to Bob Marley, <laughs> this shit wouldn't happen, man. You know, it's like, <laughs> but yeah, like what, 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 does, reggae, what does reggae music mean to you? The, with, with, the name of the song has bald in it. Something bald. Crazy man, bald heads. Uh, Chase them crazy bald heads down. Oh, listen to that song. The con man, it is con plan. Oh, yeah. That, that song, that song was like very relevant. But I might crank it on after this one. Yeah, and it's it's very, it's his music. It's healing. I mean, it feels like, like you don't know much about Bob Marley, and you really want to know what kind of guy he was. The dude got shot, and still went and performed a concert to unite his people. Between there's two parties in Jamaica, I believe, and they were at at arms with each other. And he, despite the fact of just being shot, performed on stage like a you know a true Rastafarian. And you know, I, there's like this moment where he brings them together and. I find that like a lot of times with um, or pop stars, they lack that. I mean, I guess Bono had it a bit, but you know, like, and I'm not docking people, but it's like, I miss people like that in pop culture. They have content that's content. worth content. singing about. Content, also, like, you know, a message for the money and your hose and your gold and your cars. Like, that's, yeah. that's so. And that's just weird, you know, not just a message for the American people. I'm saying for people everywhere. And like, that's what Bob preaches. Like, we are one nation. You know what I mean? Like, we are all, you know, and like people, I just can't understand how they can allow hate into their lives. And it's just like, there's something about reggae music that it allows your soul to, you know, be at ease. But also, too, it's like, there's a message there. And a lot of times in, you know, culture, people associate, oh, there's stoner music, man. Like, read his lyrics. They can yeah. really show you a lot about not only where we've come from, but where we are today and how things can get better, you know? Yeah. So do we have a little more time? Just a minute? Uh, yeah, we got about, I have um, about five minutes. Okay. So uh, what I had intended on doing, and I got approved in every single way, was to do a drive-in movie concert down here at the airport. But I'm bailing on it. Because I had to be the sole insurer, and with the, I can't, you know, I have to recognize I can't control everything. And if, if a, a, a riot breaks out or some, like, 50 people there get COVID and they all want to, like, I, I don't want to take that level of risk. And not only that, like, they want me to not have a lot of vendors and not have a lot of people. So, like... There's no reward at all. It would be just breaking even for a lot of risk. And I felt like beyond my, the threat to me and, and my life, I don't want to be part of something where other people can't hurt. Yeah. Um, and and like I'm, I'm living here at the shore. I'm right on the bay. And like there, there's fist fights going on at the beach. People, there's, there's lots of controversy about uh, masks being worn outside and, People are getting detained, and there's it's it's kind of crazy down here, and and I, and I don't really want to be a part of any political fire and have it be, you know, the ground for that battle, <laughs> and I'm responsible for the grounds of that battle. I, I, I like so, 
I, I told the Sussex County that I'm going to do it next year. I would like to target the, the weekend before Memorial Day. I'd like to make it a three-day event, the O-Fest. And it's primarily original music. And it's really to help charge and encourage people to play original music because the way things are going, like I, I don't know what the, the temperature is up in Philly as far as um, original music goes, but down here, the temperature is like, if you're trying to push original music, you're, you're way in the background and everything in the forefront is all beach cover music for, uh, for dancing and getting loaded and, and, and having fun. And, and there's a place for that, but there has to be a place for original music too. And if there isn't, then the music's already dying. Yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. I mean, like people like, have their original music and won't play it out. Like, like you should, if, if you have some original music and you have a whole show, you should play some of your original music. And, and I'm finding more and more that people just aren't doing that. Yeah. It's weird. Completely it's also too, it's like they want that. Or not mm -hmm. believing in themselves or it's not worth it. You know it's what I mean? Weird, like, right? watch. Yeah. It's weird. And it's like, there's not enough opportunities for um, original bands to, to get their music. I mean, like, yeah, here in Philly, there's, there, you know, there's a room. But, you know, I mean, like, it, it's just, it's difficult because it's also, too, it's like, you have friends and your friends enjoy, you know, you. But also, too, it's like, there's this mysterious thing that not only just happens for me, but several other of my peers. You share something creative online, nobody gives a shit. But you share a photo of, like, you know, your son planted a djembe and you get, like, 200 likes on it. And it's like this weird... I don't know what it is about people where they are they're scared to show that they appreciate you, you know, but like no, I, I, you gotta go I, I get the algorithm, you know, like it's, that sucks. It's, it's borderline on the hater covet kind of thing, tenth commandment, like you know, that's that's what the tenth commandment is, and like I'm not trying to get all religious, but what it means is to not be envious that your car your neighbor just got a, a, a brand new Lexus. Like it's, you should be happy for them. You shouldn't be lusting after his wife and his money and his things. Like if he won the lottery, you should be happy for him. You wouldn't rather someone else win the lottery rather than him. That's all coveting. That's all hater mentality. And, and they, that's what hating is. When they say hater, it's coveting. And there's a threshold too, where if you did put something online and all of a sudden it's viral, well, all those same people would come out of the woodwork. They'd come out of the woodwork. They'd be like, oh, that's awesome, guy. Yeah, no, don't, forget, don't forget I know you. <laughs> I think I used to have that exact microphone. What, is that a, a Kobe? It, I don't know. It's C a nice mic, though. Not, you know what, like, uh, I haven't used my uh, my microphone in a couple of weeks because not many people use them when I do the podcast with them, but I appreciate you coming on the show here today, using a microphone, also spreading uh, the word about original music, the O-Fest, uh, the double albums that are coming out with the two Sonata. Like, that's going to be exciting. Like, is there a date for that? So it should be July. And then, July. and then, like, we were talking about, like, how do I put it? I'm, I'm definitely going to get the CDs and the, uh, the vinyl. But I guess I'll try it for Spotify and iTunes, which is my yeah. first time trying anything like that. Well, I mean, if you send me a track, you want to come back on the show, I'll play some music too. I mean, like I have a small, you know, following here that, you know, people listen to original music and stuff like that. And, you know, I still, you know, I have to come back again at the end of the podcast here to give credit to the <laughs> album here, you know, like I actually went before um, we recorded here today. I was like, I got to find this man. And just talking about it, is it going to do it? And then like, I got to the, I was like, where's the front dude? Like, I was like, oh, I lost it in such a, um, <laughs> it's such a sign of that period of time. You know what I mean? Like I can hook you up with an unopened fresh one if you want. Oh, next time I see in real life, next time I see you, I can't wait okay. to do that. And, I'll put uh, some in my car make sure I have some. Yeah, I remember the song Limousine, too. I remember, like, rocking out to that one. But, yeah, I mean, like, good memories, man. You know, it's like, um, I mean, Magic Cat definitely, you know, it brought us together and stuff like that. And I'm glad that we got a chance to do the show. I lost power there for a few days. It was pretty rough. And, Me you know, too. I'm glad that we were able to come back and do this. Um, the last couple of days it's been hard for me to um to podcast just in general because i'm paying attention to the world but i feel pretty good about this interview and it was nice to chat with somebody who's a, a creative musician like yourself thanks buddy i appreciate it, it man. Th th thanks for having me on the show i, I really really appreciate it it was a lot of fun 
I, I was looking forward to it. I, I was bummed that, that it didn't work out a couple times. I was like, oh, man, I, I wanted to do that. And yeah. then uh, okay, okay, we did. It's fun in real life, too. So, like, once things go back to normal, I have a place that's, like, a, not in my house. It's a studio that's, like, a romper room, and it's the, the real lounge. But, I mean, like, it would be fun to actually uh, do a sequel to this podcast. And maybe we'll bring Matt along. You know, Matt's only been on the show twice, and there's 256 episodes. <laughs> crazy. But, anyway, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show, um, and we'll talk soon. Um, once Yo, let me know uh, if you guys are playing out anywhere this summer. Well, like you know, the know. thing with that is, um, you know, Tom lives in Alabama, so we're, we're still trying to figure out what we're going to do. We had a reunion show planned for uh, Ardmore, the music hall. Uh, I think that was May 2nd we were right. going to do. And, like, yeah. just weird, man. You know, it's like – I know. And we're, we're figuring out, like, what we're going to do. But, I mean, we'll, we'll make an announcement soon. And um, I definitely would like to play that O Festival, though. And if, uh, yeah, if, if, we, if we can do it with Downtown Harvest, I'll bring Pocodile out with the hip-hop group, and we'll do it then. <laughs> Yeah, but um, right. once again, I appreciate you. Thank you very much, Matt. And this has been Thanks, another buddy. episode of Bobcast. Thanks, Bobcast. <laughs>